God wants our souls healed. But I am absolutely convinced he is far less interested in fixing us than we think. And there's a difference. You want to sure for that opinion? Let's open to, to Luke 17. I'm going to read from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And there's a story that's, that makes this point abundantly clear versus the just the, the mere fixing versus what the Lord truly wants. Luke 17, 11, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers, 10 people with leprosy who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of them turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. And he gave thanks to Jesus. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten people cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Friends, God is far more interested in intimacy and relationship and closeness than he is with just fixing us. And I firmly believe the reason is many of us and if we look at this example in the Bible, we'd say 90% of us. It just got fixed. If we just had our need met, would we really pursue relationship with Him? Would we really pursue intimacy with Him? Would we walk with Him? Would we fall at His feet in gratitude and thanks and surrender? Or would we go along our way because we got fixed. Because we got our need met. Maybe this is the, the spiritual equivalent of teaching a man to fish, right? Not just giving him fish. What this series, Soul Care and Fame, is about, it's about us drawing closer to the Lord. It is about drawing close to Him in relationship and intimacy. Because in the walking of life with Him, He touches different parts of our soul because He wants us healed. He wants us healed. He wants you healed. He paid the price for you and I to be whole, to be healed. But the fix sometimes goes against what His will is for you and I. 
See, sometimes in the walking out of our faith and the going to Him, the healing is so thorough and the journey is so powerful that He builds within us a testimony. He builds within us a faith that will change other lives. Because see, our faith is never just about us. Our story is never just about us. Our journey is never just about you, ever. See, because you and I are supposed to testify. You and I are supposed to stand in, in a legal setting, in a spiritual realm, and say, I am bearing witness. This what happened to me. I didn't just hear about it. I felt it. I experienced it. I saw it. I was changed. I was healed. I was saved. I was set free. And that has power. God is interested in relationship with you and I. If we will intentionally and closely walk with Him and receive goodness that He gives us, then our souls will receive healing. So how do we do that? How do we walk closely with Him? How do we do that? This is going to sound like I'm oversimplifying it, but man, it's at least a good answer. Cardium, baby. Seize the day. Seize the moment. You see, Jesus makes this incredible statement. says, I will never leave you. I will never run out on you. Low. We don't use low much. Low has its place. Low works sometimes. Low. Behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. We just forget that. We're just dense, man. You're just slow. As slow as I am. Because we'll walk through life, we'll walk circumstance, we'll walk through hardships, or we'll walk through thrilling times without ever acknowledging that He is right there. And he, he's, he's there the bad times and He's there good times. He's not a robot. Jesus, whether it's the Father, whether it's the Son, or whether it's the Holy Spirit, we're talking about persons with personalities, with feelings. Now, I love the visual of Jesus laughing with me. Like, so excited for me. He's just laughing and doing this. And he's like, oh, that's oh, that's awesome. Look at how happy my boy is. Look at how at peace my girl is. Oh, I love it. How cool is it to go, Jesus, you're so awesome. Thank you. Man, What? The, thank you. He's like, you got it. In Hebrews 13, 5 through 8, we see one of those declarations that I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I want you to know God is with you right now. Okay, we're, we're here at church. And it doesn't matter whether we're at church or we're outside of church. He's here now. He's going to be here five hours from now. He's going to be here 15 hours from now. He's going to be with you. When you're sleeping, he's going to be with you. When you wake up, he's going to be with you. When it's super sunny, he's going to be with you. 
And when it's rainy and stormy, He's going to be with you. Hebrews 13, 5 through 8. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Forsake you. That's an interesting, like it's an interesting sentence. I, I mean, a compilation of thoughts. But the thought is, hey, money might not always be with you. Like abundance might not always be with you. I will be. Money might run out on you. I won't. That's what Jesus is saying. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. For what can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you know that one of the one of the roles of a pastor, and Andy and I talk about this often, one of the roles of a pastor is to inspire. That's legitimately one of the things we get up here and hope to do. Inspire you. Why? Because we want you to, we want to get up here excited, talking about Jesus and sharing testimony and talking about the goodness of God to inspire you so that you imitate our faith. Because you recognize and you hear and you know that God is a respecter of persons. I will never leave you and I will never run out on you. But there are times, many times, many times, where we, we might ask, Lord, where were you then? Lord, where were you then? Lord, where were you when I was betrayed? Lord, where were you when I was assaulted? Lord, where were you when I hit rock bottom? Lord, where were you when I felt so alone? Part of this series, what we want to do is encourage that dialogue with the Lord because God is with you and He will respond. When we ask the Lord questions like that, He doesn't take it as disrespect. He doesn't take it as too deep. See, we might have a tough time talking to others with that level of vulnerability, but God welcomes it. And He was there. So one of the questions we want to encourage and that we've been encouraging is, Lord, would you show me where you were the moment that I was falsely accused and lost my job. Lord, you show me where you were when I was in that low point. Lord, would you show me where you were? But friend, we ask that kind of question. That's not one of those questions we ask while we're, you know, just in the busyness of our day. When we ask that kind of question, we have to legitimately expect a response from the Lord. So we just still and settle our hearts and we listen. But we don't just listen, we show me. 
Show me. Give me eyes to see. And we close our eyes and we just set our sights on Him and we let Him show us and speak to us. You see, we, we, we're we wrong about things and the fact that we think God always gets away because we, we hear phrases like sovereignty. We hear that God's a sovereign God. So we think He always gets His way. We think everything that happens is because it was the sovereign will of God. And, and that is not true. That is not true. Every day, every moment of the day, God does not get his way. The Bible says several places, Jesus says, I desire that none would die without knowing me. That none would perish. That not one would perish. People are dying all the time without knowing without knowing grace, without knowing healing, without knowing forgiveness. He gives us free will. And the bad news is some of us are just crummy. Well, actually, according to the Bible, it says that there's no good thing in us except for him. So I guess you could say, you know, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. You know where I was going, though. With free will, sometimes decisions are made and hurtful things happen. Tragedies happen. Injustices happen. Friends, we, we can't mistake that as saying that was God's will. See, Romans 8.28 says, I will turn all things, I will turn all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. And that's us. It says he'll turn it. He'll turn it. It doesn't say he, he caused it. It doesn't say he was behind it. It doesn't say he initiated it. He said, poop happens. And when it does, I, I'm, I'll be there in it. I'll turn it for the good of those and I'll turn it for my glory. Interesting story. Um, I don't remember the exact year, but I imagine it was 1999, probably turning into 2000, because I know we didn't have kids. And my sister uh, and my wife, Kara, we hopped on a plane on New Year's Eve, and we flew to Southern California, and we spent New Year's Eve in L.A. It was wonderful. Amy had airline miles and had points, hotel points, and we stayed at the Beverly Hilton, and we ate real well, and we listened to cool jazz, and we went to the Tournament of Roses Parade, and it was awesome. And then, since Kara, and I grew up in Southern California, I grew up in a city called Torrance, mainly. We kind of hopped around all over. My dad was an evangelist, and so um, sixth grade was Tustin, seventh grade Oklahoma, eighth grade El Paso, Texas, ninth grade Mission Viejo, California, 10th grade Escondido, California, um, 11th grade back to Torrance, California, where we had spent fourth and fifth, I had spent fourth and fifth grade. Um, and then senior year, um, Garner, North Carolina. Um, but there was a stretch during, uh, when we were in Torrance, when, uh, my dad got in an accident, wasn't able to work. We got evicted out of our house and we had to stay in a motel, not a hotel, not a hotel. Think Colfax 25 years ago. PCH in a town called Harbor City, Lamita, bad part of town, where that you can either pay your rent hourly or weekly. And we lived there. We lived in two different hotels on PCH. And it was heavy. It was heavy. 
It was a hard time. I remember friends picking me up for youth group and feeling so ashamed. Feeling so ashamed. I remember my best friend, who was a, a wonderful high school best friend named Scotty, picking me up for school. Smiling, encouraging, you know, bumping some music. And, and I'd forget about the heaviness of that moment for a while. And, but there was still shame. I still felt shame. And it was scary. So, flash forward to just turned 2000. We're driving around, showing, Amy and I are showing Kara where Torrance High School was. We went to high school and different things. And we're, you know, we'd gone to the beach. We hung out on the beach in Redondo Beach. And we're, we're going down PCH. Actually, we're going up PCH. I guess across, I don't know. And I feel, I feel the heaviness come over me. And I look at my sister and she's got tears in her eyes. And I said, there, and I pointed to the right and I said, there's, there's one of the hotels we stayed in. And then we went up further and I said, this one's the other one we lived in. And we drove off and it meant I felt like I had been slammed with a by by a truck the heaviness the the shame i felt it all over again the sorrow and the fear and i felt gripped and we didn't say a word i don't know it was 4 or 5 minutes it felt like forever and finally we pulled over and we prayed i didn't realize it would affect me that way I hadn't been back there since we lived there. And I didn't realize it would hit me that way. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. You ever been sunburned? Or maybe you have a splinter? Or maybe you burned yourself? Ladies, where do you normally burn yourself with like a curling iron? Like, okay. All right. So you burn yourself. And so there's, there's a... It hadn't healed yet. There's a wound. And then you ever... Just graze it. Or your sunburns. I was a redhead. I'm a red chin now. But, you know, I just get sunburned a lot and someone will hug you and you... You're here even before they've even hugged you. We do the same thing emotionally. We do the same thing when there's a hurt and a wound in our soul. And sometimes someone will just say something to us. And we'll react. We'll have a knee-jerk reaction. Hey! And we'll have an unreasonable reaction. Because they touched a wound. They touched something in our soul. They touched a hurt that hasn't yet been healed. And someone's like, whoa, that was completely unnecessary. And you know what? They're right. When we have those reactions, they're right. But they just don't know. They just don't know that, that a wound was great. It was touched on. That day in Southern California, along CH, in Lamita, that wound wasn't just touched on, it, it was slammed. I'd like to say that that moment when we pulled over and prayed, that the Lord miraculously healed me. But that's simply not true. That was the year 2000. And I don't know exactly when he healed me. I don't. I don't. 
But I can go online, I can look at pictures, I can go on Google Maps, I can zoom in, and I have. And it doesn't hurt. And I don't feel shame. And I don't feel fear. Fear has no place. Not in the presence of perfect love. But at some point in walking out my faith with the Lord, little by little, measure by measure, He just touched my heart. He he touched my soul. He touched my mind. He he touched my emotions. I, I made myself open to Him. And I continue to make myself open to Him. And He's faithful to heal. I love the miraculous. We rarely see the miraculous. I love the miraculous. I love the gradual healings more. I personally love the gradual healings more because it forces me to walk out my faith with my King, with my Lord, with my Savior, with my friend, with the lover of my soul. To walk it out with Him daily. Daily, I wake up to new mercies. You wake up to new mercies. Every single day, you wake up to brand new mercies. Daily, as you hunger and you need strength, He has daily bread for you. Not weekly bread. Daily bread. Because we're meant to come to Him daily. God wants us healed. Isaiah 53, 3 through 5, tells this, it tells this prophetic picture of Jesus Christ, of what he desires, of what he's going to do. When we read it now, we, we read it in the past tense and say, this is what he did. And as we read these words, I want to kind of unpack some of the words because it talks about physical healings and it talks about emotional and mental healings. It talks, it uses words that, that, truly refers to our emotions and things that affect our emotions. And then at the very end, it closes with the word healed. Healed. That's who you and I are in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 53, 3-5. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. Griefs, that word griefs is translated, it ranges from sickness to anxiety to calamity to disease. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the literal translation of sorrows is pain, physical, pain, mental, anguish, affliction of grief, pain and sorrow. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Pierced has really a deep unpacking. It says pierced to profane, defile, pollute, desecrate. 
to wound fatally, to bore through, to pierce. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was profaned for our transgressions. He was desecrated for our transgressions. He was bore through completely for our shortcomings, for our sin. He was crushed. He was contrite and broken and shattered is what that means. Crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. With his bruises, his stripes, every blow, we are healed. We are made whole. We are free. We are mended. Not we can be. We are. We just have to lay claim to it. How do we lay claim to it? I lay claim to it like this. Or like this. Or like this. And sometimes when I'm walking with them, I, I'm like, you just got to carry me through this day. And sometimes I'm like, I'm linked with you. nothing. Nothing that can come against us today. Huh, Jesus? So I have this painting up here. Um, I'm going to tell the story of this painting and I want to point out some things on this painting. I love this painting. This painting used to hang in Redemption, uh, I'm sorry, Restoration LA Church, pastored by Jody Romero. Restoration LA is in East LA. Um, dear friend of mine, awesome man of God, just a dear brother. This used to hang in this church and every time I'd go there, dude, I love that painting, I love that painting, I love it, I love it. This was painted by a man named Aaron Brown, A-E-R-O-N. Aaron Brown, He's he's a... A painter, a work leader, a minister, a pastor. Um, he has a gallery. And he is just a Jesus-loving freak, man. He just loves him some Jesus. And is just anointed by the Holy Spirit. So one day, Jody, there was a conference here in, in Westminster. And Jody borrowed someone's minivan. And drove from L.A. And said, hey, I'm coming to your house. I got something for you. And he brought this painting for us and said... It's had his time hanging in my church. Now it's time to hang in yours. The name of this piece is called Freedom. I'm going to aim it a little because I know that the lights sometimes can kind of give. Is that a little better? Is that better at all without the... So you see this... This cry. by This bear crying out. Crying out. Just as our soul cries out freedom. On... On the arms of this bear, we see shackles. We see loneliness, anger, injustice, depression, fear, and hopelessness. But did you notice something about the shackles? They're broken. They're broken. This is a cry of freedom. This is a cry of, in the name of Jesus, depression no longer has hold over me. By the work of Jesus Christ... I am no longer hopeless. By the blood of the Lamb, loneliness no longer can hold me down. And there's this this crimson just panel representing the blood of Jesus that sets us free. 
Here we have a black man crying. Here we have a white woman crying. Here we have this teenager with this goth makeup meant to show that he's the healer for all, not some. He's the deliverer for all, not some. This is painted on newspaper clippings. And some of the newspaper clippings speak of communism and oppression and hurt and riots and racism. And the Holy Spirit gave this painting, this image to Aaron, and he painted it. Lives up in Redding, California. If anyone's in Redding, we'll give you money to buy if you drive to Redding, because like the shipping is ridiculous. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll give you money to buy some of Aaron's work and drive them back. Our souls are meant to be free, and our souls are meant to cry out in freedom. You know, sometimes it sounds it starts with anguish, and it turns to freedom. Sometimes it starts with pain and it turns to healing. That that crying out, I am free. No more. Acts chapter 2 tells a remarkable, remarkable story. I'm going to skip around, but... This is on the day of Pentecost. This is when the believers were gathered together, patiently obedient and waiting for the Holy Spirit. Waiting. Waiting. Anxious. Waiting. Hope. Waiting. Doubtful. Waiting. Waiting. I think of us. Some of us are still waiting for that breakthrough. Some of us are still hopeful, but doubtful and conflicted. And that's okay. But waiting nonetheless. Obedient nonetheless. Linked arms with Jesus nonetheless. See, our doubts don't scare the Lord. He's much mightier than doubts. Our apprehensions, our hurts, our God is bigger than. Verse 11 says, Both Jews and proselytes, which is Gentile newcomers to Israel, both Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to another, what does this mean? This is after the Holy Spirit showed up. This is after the Holy Spirit fell on them and and it looked as if fire was upon them and they were changed. They were changed. And each one of them began speaking tongues and declaring in unknown languages the goodness of God. They began praising God in a language they'd never spoken before. Those who were standing by all were amazed. All were amazed. Some are sitting there going, that's my native language. That's that's East L.A. Even though there wasn't East L.A., that's wherever I'm from. They're talking about Jesus. All were amazed. Some were trying to make sense of it. They were trying to make sense of it. And so this is what how they what they came up with. Others mocked and said, They are they are filled with new wine. Peter Peter says, They're not drunk as you as you suppose. But that word filled with new wine, it means uh, some are saying that they're they're renewed with new wine. They're restored with new wine. That's what the word means. 
Interesting choice of words. See, what was taking place was people were laughing and joyfully crying and singing and, and just declaring Jesus in unknown tongues. And people were amazed. They weren't, they weren't like doing this. They're like, wow, they're restored with new wine. They were joyful. They were lighthearted. They were cheerful. See, that's what happens. The moment that we recognize we're in the presence of a loving God. The moment I'm in the presence of a healing God. He's here right now to touch me, to love me. He loves me. They were consumed with the presence of God. I'm going to jump down to verse 23. Still in Acts chapter 2. It says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and you killed by the hands of lawless men. By the way, let me make clear who it was that killed Jesus. So I'm like, oh, it was the religious leaders. Oh, it was the Jews. Oh, it was the Romans. It was the soldiers. It was the military. And my son, my sin, nailed Jesus to that cross. Your sin nailed Jesus to that cross. But see, it wasn't a sneak attack. It was part of God's plan. A sacrifice had to be paid for you and I for our sins. Lawless men. Lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And in Christ Jesus, if we will trust in him and walk with him, it's not possible for us to be held by it either. That's a fact. That's the truth. Do not grow weary in doing good. It's a journey. It's a walk. I know there's parts of me that are still in need of healing and, and my body is doing it. The Spirit of God is at work in my life and my Savior is healing me even though I'm not all the way whole. I'm just going to keep walking with Him and He's going to make me whole. He's daily making me whole. He's daily making you whole. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. This is a prophecy of David. I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand that I, Christine, not be shaken. He is at my right hand that I, Ashley, will not be shaken. He is ever before me that I, Acacia, will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell, will live, will remain, will camp in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to hell. You will not let your Holy One, Jesus, see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness. With what? With your presence. I actually really love the fact that this is in the present tense. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Because it reminds me that tomorrow I get to come to him again no matter how bad today was. And he will make me glad 
with His presence. So I go to bed hopeful every night. I do. I don't care how hard the day was. I go to bed hopeful every night because I get to wake up with new mercies and new hope. And He will make my heart glad with His presence. Friends, this series is about healing, but it is about walking with Jesus. Making ourselves more and more vulnerable with Him. Growing in affection with Him. I don't... You give Him whatever affectionate nicknames you give. Father, Daddy, Papa, Pa. I don't... Whatever it is. He's your dad. Jesus, my King, my Savior, my friend, the lover of my soul, my restorer, my healer, the Holy Spirit, my comforter, my guide, my teacher. So this is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I'm going to close with this. This morning, got up at... I set my alarm for 5 o'clock. I set it for 5.05. Got up at, you know, 5.09 after the snooze went off from the first alarm. Got up at 5.09, made a wonderful cup of coffee, put a a wonderful new blanket that I had gotten from uh, Sherry Wallace, bought me a blanket. It was really, really awesome. Put it over my legs because I was a little chilly. I sat there and I just spent time with the Lord. I went through my notes and he's like, Mark, I want you to talk from the heart today. I want you to talk from the heart. I don't want you to be bound by a bunch of notes. And he's just, the Lord's just telling me, like, I want you to walk away from your notes. I want you to. And then I was so tired. I kept like falling asleep. And I'm like, Lord, would you sharpen my mind? I keep falling asleep. And here's what the Lord told me. Go to bed. Go to bed. I want to speak to you while you sleep. I'm like, that's a wonderful idea. So I went to bed. I set my alarm for 20 minutes. And at the end of my sleep, he gave me this vision. Um, if you can pull up the graphic. Um, well, there's three of them. You just pull them up however you want. So the Lord gave me this image, and it was an invitation. It was in black and white. It was, it was a wedding invitation. And so it, it looked better than that, but then we'll kind of go to the color version of this. And it reminded me of this wood carving. It reminded me of something like... You know, that I've seen many artists do just a black and white drawing. And in front of it, in front of me, there was, uh, you know, on this invitation were just hills and rows of of just grapevines. And it was a vineyard. And just row after row of these vines. And they're just interconnected. And at the top of the hill was one lone tower. One lone tower that kind of looked like a lighthouse. But it was a tower. It didn't have the lighthouse on it. And it had one window with a curved arch on top. And behind it, there were more hills and more vineyards. And I immediately knew the Lord was inviting me and inviting us. See, I don't believe this vision was just for me. It was for us. He's inviting us to be intimate like a bride, to be affectionate like a bride. Inviting us to closeness with Him. Inviting us to solitude with Him. To peace. To a remarkable view. To an interconnected, just vine life. Of, of just fruitfulness. He's inviting us to refreshing and restoration 
and new wine in his spirit. Can we go to the move away from this one? So I, I found I found this picture and I did some Photoshop work on it because it had several towers. This is in Tuscany. And I just it was it was even more beautiful than this, even though what I was looking at was black and white. He's calling you and I to solitude with him. He's calling you and I to affection with him. He's calling you and I to trust and to link arms and to get healed. Man, are you okay with the fact that God isn't going to fix you right now? You better be. He's not going to fix you right now. I just It's contrary to too much I see in his word. He's not going to fix you right now. You can, you can come up and I can lay hands on you, but you're not going to be healed by, by an elder laying hands on you or anointing you with oil. That's not where this healing is going to come from. It's not. It's going to come from you walking out your life with the healer. Are you okay with not being fixed at this moment? Are you okay with God not just being a pop machine for whatever your existing need is right now? You throw in your quarters and out you get what you need. Are you okay with a commitment of trust? To trust Him, to walk with Him. I love the miraculous. I've seen the miraculous. It's miraculous. I like the healing better, me personally. Because it reminds me just how much I need him. And I need him so much. So bad.